Hey y'all, you're listening to The Coffee Shop, and I'm your host, Lindsay Acosta. If you know me, then you know that I love coffee, and The Coffee Shop is where I've had some of my favorite and hardest conversations. I've laughed, cried, mourned, and rejoiced with friends as we sat across from one another, a coffee between us. So I hope you'll pull up a chair to my table and have conversations with me as I talk about all things Jesus related in hopes that it will equip, teach, and empower you in your walk with the Lord. Welcome to the coffee shop. Hey y'all, welcome back to the coffee shop. We are going to be talking about Daniel in the lion's den today. And I know some of you might be thinking that you have heard the story a million times and you really just want to skip out on this episode, but I am begging you to stick with me. I'm also going to bring kind of a new point of view to this story. Um, This story can be found in Daniel 6. So kind of some background information. Daniel was loved by the kings that he served. When it came to the king's council, he was known to have lots of wisdom. He was able to interpret not only King Darius's dreams, which is the king we'll be talking about today, but also King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, because he was well-liked by um, the kings, and we're now particularly going to start talking about King Darius, because he was so well-liked by King Darius and he was appointed um, to a very high position in the kingdom, the other advisors did not like him. Um, they were very corrupt people, and I think that they were kind of afraid that the standards would change. If an honorable man was leading them, then that meant that they would have to, in turn, be honorable, and they didn't want to do that. Um, they were also likely very jealous of Daniel. Anyway, regardless of the reason, they came up with a plan to trick the king into making a decree that said that if anybody prayed to anyone else, any other god other than the king, then they would be thrown into the lion's den. Now, we know that Daniel is a man of integrity. He's a man of honor. He is very faithful. So Daniel decides to do what the Lord is calling him to do and continue to pray, even though it was likely going to get him killed. And of course, the advisors who are really doing this to entrap Daniel obviously they're looking for him Um, they find him praying they take him to the king and they say look you made this decree you got to hold to it the man's got to go in the lion's den and when we get to verse 14 we see that it tells us that the king was deeply troubled and he tried to save Daniel he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament that he was in And this is kind of the first stop I want to make in this story. Um, Here we have a king who spent the entire day looking for ways to, number one, undo his own decree, but also spent the whole day trying to save an advisor. And so verse 14 shows us that King Darius valued Daniel more so than he did his own power. Because a man who valued his own power would have told Daniel, I said what I said, I wrote the decree, this is my decree, deal with it. A king who is obsessed with his own power would have no problem throwing even a friend into 
the den of lions because he said so. And then if you kind of jump down to verse 16, the men have already gathered up Daniel. They throw him into the lion's den. And then the king says to Daniel, he says, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And I find it interesting that this is what he says to Daniel. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to go home and pray to my gods that they'll save you. Or, hey, hope you get out of this. Or, it was nice knowing you. Like, his res- his response to Daniel being thrown in the den of lions is, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. And actually, I really like the way... Th- I'm reading out of the NLT version, but... Um, the King James Version, the NET Version, and the ASV Version um, say it just a little differently, and I love the way that they say it. These versions read, Your God, whom you continually serve, will rescue you. And again, it's so interesting that this king, who is not a Christian, he's not Jewish, he doesn't believe in God, he's likely a pagan man you know he believes in his own gods whatever those would be but yet he still calls on the god of daniel and says your god whom you faithfully and continually serve will rescue you and and that statement shows me that he must have had some faith in god to know that he will rescue daniel from the lion's den. He had some form of faith, whether that was, you know, as tiny as a mustard seed, which is likely the amount that he had. Regardless, that king who was not a believer in God had enough faith to tell Daniel, to remind Daniel, you serve a God who can save you and I know he will save you. And so, you know, we know Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and then they seal up the den so that nobody can get in there and save him. Like, it's done. Now the king just has to go home and pray and hope that Daniel's God is able to rescue him from the mouths of the lions. So we get down to verse 18, and it tells us that the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. You know, any other king would have not cared that Daniel had been thrown into the lions. And they wouldn't, most kings would not have refused their usual entertainment. He refuses them and instead he fasts. He spent the entire night fasting. He did not eat. He did not entertain himself. Now, how easy would it have been for him to have passed the time with entertainment? But he doesn't. He fasts. And again, this is a man who does not really believe in Daniel's God. He has his own beliefs, his own gods that he follows. But he fasts. The last half of the passage is told through the eyes of King Darius. We don't really know what happens to Daniel in the lion's den. Um, I mean, later we know that their mouths were kept shut and he was protected by the angel. But we're not given, you know, a painted picture of everything that went down in, in the lion's den. Which is interesting because the main 
person that this story is about is Daniel. It's about Daniel being rescued from the lion's den. But I feel like it is not a coincidence that there's also a focus on King Darius and in the way that he conducts himself during this entire ordeal. And, you know, I think part of it is because we know that Daniel trusted God. That is very clear because if he didn't, he wouldn't have continued to pray out in the open for the advisors to see him in the first place. So we know that Daniel trusts God. He is faithful to the Lord. He's a man of integrity. We know all of these things. So it's not a surprise that we don't need to see what Daniel is doing in the lion's den. He's likely praying. But I love that these few passages, these few verses point out that a king who doesn't even really believe in the Lord is doing things to call down the God of heaven to rescue his friend. He could have called on all of his pagan gods, but instead he doesn't. He declares that the God of Daniel will rescue him. He fasts and he refuses all of his entertainment. And I feel like it's so important to notice that even though this king only has a small amount of faith, it is still an amount of faith. He still has faith that God can and will rescue Daniel. There, he, he has this hope that the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, is going to show himself like he has many times before. And he's going to rescue Daniel because he knows Daniel's character. And so the next morning rolls around and I doubt that the king slept even a wink. He was worried about his friend. He probably felt guilty because he had been tricked into signing a decree that he didn't really know much about. And so he gets up that next morning and he runs out to the lion's den. And when he gets there, the first thing he says is Daniel servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lion's den? And of course, we know that Daniel says, yes, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and had Daniel lifted out of the lion's den, Um, And then he had the advisors who came up with this scheme. Them and their families were thrown into the lion's den where they were not able to escape death. Now, something that I've learned over the time that I've started to deep study the Bible is that the early morning hours, the hours of dawn, are sometimes really important because a lot of times the dawn would symbolize a turning point. The dawn would symbolize the separation of good and evil. I I love that the king doesn't wait to run out to see if Daniel is, is alive and well. He runs out as soon as dawn hits and he goes to see if Daniel is still alive. And he calls the God of Daniel by name. So again, he's exercising that faith that he has. He was resting on everything he knew about Daniel's God from what 
he had seen through Daniel. And here we have this turning point. Like I said, the dawn usually symbolizes this turning point. We have this turning point where, you know, the separation of good and evil, Daniel is pulled up and he is saved while the advisors are thrown to their death. But at the very end of this story, the king sends a message to all of the people and he tells them peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So we have this turning point where you have this king who likely was a pagan king who served other gods and who probably didn't really care what gods everybody was praying to. But now he's declaring that the God of Daniel, the God of Israel, the sovereign God is in fact sovereign. He is the living God and that his kingdom will reign forever. And I don't know if you guys understand how big of a deal that is for a king to declare that another king's kingdom would reign forever. Even the Jewish kings denied that. So many of the Jewish kings, the kings of Israel, were evil men. They were wicked men. And yet here you have this Persian king who is declaring that the God of Daniel is the living God. Does your character reflect the character of God? The people who are in your life, if they look at you, are they going to see God through your actions, through your words, through the way that you treat people? Are you a person of integrity, of good character? Are you humble? Are you faithful? Because without Daniel's character, it is very likely that the king would have never known the character of God. We always need to be concerned with what our character is speaking to other people because it does matter. And there's another reminder in this story that our pain and the things that we go through, both good and bad, will always be a display for God's glory. Because Daniel, he could have just decided that he wasn't going to pray to God anymore. He was just going to listen to the decree. But he doesn't. And he knows, he knows exactly what's going on. He knows that this is all a devise to get him killed. But he does not let that deter him from being faithful and being a man of integrity. Even if it means that it results in death. Because he knows that... Whatever happens to him will be a display of God's glory. And that's exactly what happens. Because now King Darius decides that he's going to put what little faith he has in the God of Daniel. And then God shows up. He shows out. He saves Daniel from the lion's den. And now King Darius is declaring that the God of Daniel is the sovereign God. This story is, again, a display of God's glory. And it is so beautiful to see that 
not just Daniel was saved, but King Darius was saved as well. He was able to see God through this miracle. And he was able to become a believer in the God of Daniel. And I really have to believe that through this story that Daniel was saved, yes, as a display of God's glory, but also because of the faith that the king had. And I feel like this story just really shows us that even the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Because like I've been saying from the beginning, here's number one, a king. Most kings in the Bible were very prideful. They were wicked, wicked men. They, they were selfish and did all sorts of evil things in the eyes of the Lord. So number one, you have a king. You have a pagan king who believed in all his other gods, who decides to put his faith, his little bitty tiny mustard seed faith, into a God that he barely knows, who he only knows through his friend Daniel. He fasts. He declares God's faithfulness that he will rescue Daniel. And he refuses all entertainment. When is the last time that we have had that type of faith in the Lord? It ought to put us to shame that a pagan believing king had that much faith in God while most of us just sit and scroll Facebook as we constantly worry about things instead of getting on our face and fasting and declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. And I truly believe that God honored this king's faithfulness and hope. God rescues Daniel and puts his glory on display. And I want this story to be a reminder to us that Do not discount the people who you see, who you believe, have the littlest of faith. Because a lot of us are out here walking around acting like we have all the faith in the world. And then we see somebody who only has a little bit and we think, what can they do for the kingdom? What can their prayers do for the kingdom? They can't possibly call down heaven. Let me tell you, yes, they can. You'd be surprised what that little mustard seed faith can do. And this story is evidence of that. So if you are somebody who you only have a little tiny mustard seed of faith, call down heaven with that faith. Speak out on the promises that you know the Lord has spoken. And you stand firm on those promises. You stand firm on the word of God and you declare his goodness and his faithfulness over whatever situation is happening, whatever situation. Thanks for listening to this week's episode on The Coffee Shop. I'd love to connect with you more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See y'all next week.